Welcome back to an episode of Clutch Gene Sports. This is your host, Marco. We're about to talk to you guys right now about some NBA basketball right after this. Welcome back to an episode of Clutch Gene Sports. This is your host, Marco, my co-host, Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, we're doing good, man. How are you? Hey, can't complain, man. Another day, another dollar, huh? Just like they say. Yeah, exactly. That's how we rolling. So, man, how, NBA stuff, we normally do football stuff, but here at Clutch Gene Sport, we're kind of broadening out to go do uh, NBA, hopefully MLB soon, um, stuff like that. NBA-wise, man, a lot of a lot of stuff starting to happen. Trade deadlines on Thursday. Um, a lot of splash moves have already happened. Um, right. Kyrie Irving just Kyrie Irving just got moved. Um, Steph Curry just got injured. LeBron seemed kind of pissed. I don't know what's going on, but this is a perfect time to talk NBA basketball because obviously the trade deadline. But let's get straight into it. I'm going to ask you a couple questions about the NBA real quick, just so people can get to know us about the NBA. What's your favorite team, Rohan? To me, I, I, I'm a Warriors guy because obviously the Bay Area, that's the team I follow the most, um, really, my entire, I guess, childhood and up until now even. Nice. So the biggest thing for, for fans I've noticed is, like, are you one of the fans that, like, you're Steph only, like, or will you support, like, mm -hmm. other players? Oh, other – like, that's why – um, for me, mine has been different because I support like, oh, like I'm not necessarily team centric, but I'm not also player centric. Like I like, like the Warriors are the team that obviously is in my hometown, but I like a lot, a lot of players in the NBA. Like, especially when I'm, uh, when I, cause I like to similar to how I do in the NFL, I like to always scout in the NBA, just seeing ooh, who, who are the new, what the NBA kind of seeing a, a youth kind of, a uh, change uh, as of like in the last few years and so it seems like my favorite players in the nba are the guys who i was high on uh coming into the draft and then guys who i've seen develop so i'm more player centric in that sense who's your favorite player in the nba right now it, it'd still probably be steph curry just because of the amazing things that he does but i i could name like a player nearly on every team that i admire their game for sure so if it was if it wasn't for you being a, a Warriors fan and being a Steph fan, who's your second favorite player? That's not, or actually your favorite player that's not on the the Warriors right now. Ooh, that's tough. I mean, there are a lot of them. Uh, when when you're trying to narrow it down, I mean, Jalen Brown's been one of the guys that I've liked ever since he he joined. I liked him at Cal, and then I liked him uh, obviously the entirety of his career in Boston. Uh, a guy who has been up and down a guy who uh, a lot of people haven't necessarily uh, liked as much as me is Lonzo Ball, a guy who I followed since his freshman year of high school and a guy who has obviously seen up and down in the NF NBA. But I think his game is one of the more underrated games in the NBA itself. There are a lot of those type of players uh, in general. And 
when when I talk about my favorite players and the guys who I like to watch the most, it's definitely more of the younger players than uh, the players that have been in the league just because I've followed their path into the NBA and have um, seen their growth with their games in that regard. Okay, so for me, my my favorite player, um, I would probably say Clay, um, only mm. because so like me playing basketball, I know you hoop too. So me playing basketball, I'm more of a defensive guard. Like put me on anyone, guards, centers. I remember we played uh, Modesto Christian out here, out here in Modesto. Um, they had a guy from Spain, um, Eden Robinson. He ended up going D1 and playing D1 basketball. Dude, six foot eleven, right? The tallest player on our team at the time was like six foot four. And I'm I'm standing five ten five eleven on a good day. I'm like, damn. Hey, I could I could guard him. I mean, I'm gonna front him all day, but y'all better get me help over the top. Cause if I'm fronting him all game, that means I'm I'm working my tail off to get in front of him. He gets mm-hmm. the ball, I'm letting him pound dribble, and I'm taking charges all day on the dude because I, I cannot defend a dude that's six foot eleven. It's just impossible when he's six foot eleven. You're freaking five foot ten, five foot eleven. But for me, I was always defensive guard, and I think Clay is just that. Gives me that energy, right? Like, the dude's willing to lock up on defense, doesn't care about dribbling the ball, doesn't care about if he's a second or third leading scorer on the team. That's just something for me that I love, but I've grown to absolutely love. And and it's crazy. But I really, really like Jason Tatum, Mm. and I really, really like uh, Nikola Jokic. Jokic, yeah. Dude, the reason why I love Tatum is, like, he he could do everything offensively, but... Lately, defensively, he's starting to come into his own. Like he real, he's realizing how impactful he could be on both ends of the floor. And I think to me, that's the biggest thing. And then Jokic, man, might not be good defensively, but that dude is a baller, bro. He he to me, he's what when people say, "Oh, can you hoop?" Now that's a hooper. Now he can shoot. He could pass. Like he literally has eyes behind his head. To me, that's a true hooper. Now yeah, you could do all this fancy dribble in pull back three, but like not many people could see the floor, how he sees the floor. And that is a hooper. Like you got to see the game one pass ahead. And I think that's mm-hmm. what he does. And for me, that's what I love about his game. Um, going straight into it. Steph Curry's out for a few weeks, right? Yeah. What were your initial reactions as a Warriors fan that Steph Curry is out a few weeks, especially when they're trying to make a push for the playoffs right now. They're the seventh seed, but the way the, the Western conference is, is there the seventh seed? But realistically, they're like three games out, right. third place. What are what are your initial thoughts of when Steph was ruled out for a few weeks? I mean, it wasn't uh, definitely unfortunate, right? Because of how impactful Curry has been this year for the team. Uh, when he's played, Curry's averaged nearly thirty points a game, and his efficiency has been on par. He's shot nearly fifty percent from the field, nearly forty three percent from the field. So when you talk about the impact, obviously Steph Curry's impact has been uh, like it's been amazing. But with the uncertainties of the team, with Andrew Wiggins missing a good amount of games early on, with the four, uh, with the Warriors just uh, trying to find their footing overall, it, it hurts. But then again when you 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 do want to see how it goes because when you talk about the schedule for the Warriors going forward up until I think Steph Curry like if you talk about the four-week timeline that he could be projected to miss that's about uh, the Laker game on Sunday March 5th when you talk about the schedule going up to there it's not one of the toughest schedules they face Portland multiple times they face Houston they face the Clippers obviously a tough team but when you look at the schedule there it doesn't seem as tough and then you see obviously how the Warriors played against the Oklahoma City Thunder the other day 
where Jordan Poole kind of gets into a different element with 12 assists, looking to feed his teammates a lot more rather than try and find a shot. Clay Thompson, obviously hot with threes, and you hope that there's a little more semblance that that could occur going forward. So it is tough. Um, obviously it, it, the timeline being the one month, you still get one month likely of Curry before the regular season ends. And with the way the, the Western conference has gone this year, it's so close to where if the Warriors can remain nearly at 500 during that time, they're going to be firmly in the race to potentially make the playoffs and potentially not have to play in the play in, uh, come when Steph Curry comes return. That's the same exact thought I had. I thought you know what, it's time for the young guys to officially take off. And what I mean by the young guys, I mean guys like Jonathan Kuminga, Jordan Poole, who, in my opinion, I think he has the ability to be a star in the league, but he has this the same ability that can make him a, a player that I'm willing to trade because of the, the, the stupidity of dribbling the ball constantly. And what I mean by stupidity is it's not him being stupid or anything, not him, it's nothing he does, it's the young generation of basketball players I've noticed have a tendency to dribble without a purpose. Now, what I mean by dribbling without a purpose is these dudes are literally just dribbling the ball, dancing around, and they're not getting anywhere. Anywhere To me, those are wasted dribbles. That's a wasted possession. Now, when he's attacking the rim, when he's making the passes, like last night I thought he played one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Attacking the rim with a purpose, kicking out, finding the open reads. Um, I thought he played phenomenal. Wasn't, wasn't pa- a shoot first kind of mentality, which he normally has. And he still had 20 uh, points, had 12 assists, um, his uh, all-time high. Um, but I kind I want to see the Warriors lean on Jonathan Kuminga extensively during this period of uh, Steph Curry being out. Now, you're going to have guys like Andrew Wiggins start stepping up. Klay Thompson had a big night. You're going to see that more often. But I want to see Kuminga become a star. And what I mean by become a star is he has the ability to get to the rim at any moment in the game. He has the ability to start to knock down shots. His shots starting to come into his own. But defensively, lock down defensively, be that anchor while Steph Curry's out. And then I want the Warriors to start playing James Wiseman. Now, that's controversial, right? Like, everyone's like, oh, trade James Wiseman. He sucks. The dude doesn't suck. He needs run. Now, defensively, we've seen him have possessions where you're like, damn, bro, what are, what are you doing defensively? Like, you're you know what you're in no man's land, you're not helping, you don't know rotations. Like, to me, that is a big issue for him. But then offensively, he looks phenomenal when he's on the court and he's actually getting the ball. Now, one thing I am gonna say is while Steph Curry is out, I would rather see Moses Moody forced into the game to handle the ball than Ty Jerome. Ty I'm, tired of seeing, I'm tired of seeing Ty Jerome. He's terrible. Absolutely. There's three, I want to say about three plays last night during the game where he should have fed um, James Wiseman. Wiseman. James, yeah. James Wiseman only played about six minutes. So a, a big man's running the floor. And when he's running the lane, if he's open, feed him the damn ball or move it and let someone else feed him. Bro, Ty Jerome just holds on to the ball. Just, and I get it, you're up 30 points. But the right basketball move is to move the ball and and get a bucket. So for me, I I have been frustrated with Ty Jerome. I get fans love him. But um, realistically, it's hard to watch. Now, there's also a conversation, Rohan. Should the Warriors trade James Wiseman and Moses Moody and potentially a couple picks for a player that could help them win now 
or do you think it is the right decision to keep both of those dudes on the roster to have young guys for after the core leaves? Because it sounds like Draymond might be gone after the season based off of right. the, 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 his comments of the writing is on the wall. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think it's a definitely an intriguing question. I mean, when you talk about it uh, and when you've seen the success the young guys have had, it's been up and down, right? Especially with the two players you mentioned. Jonathan Kuminga has enjoyed a very good start, uh, or really a, a good last month. Uh, had a good uh, month of January when he started playing, started getting the rotation towards the end of the month, and a good start to February as well. He's been shooting the ball well from three, been shooting the ball well from the field, and averaging over 10 points a game in both months. But when you talk about the other two players, there's been inconsistencies. And obviously, um, James Wiseman has the contract of a number two overall pick. And when you have the contract that high of a number two overall pick, with the way the Warriors' salary cap works, getting off that money would definitely be helpful. Now, you're likely reacquiring a player who would be of similar salary if you're going to move the salary of Wiseman to try and compete this year. So I don't know how relevant that point is. But to me personally... I think that the 49, uh, sorry, oops, uh, blurb there. I think the Warriors should keep their youngest stars. They should keep them. The reason being, you had a mindset going into this, uh, going into the season and really going into that draft last year when you drafted both Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody. And then when you drafted James Wiseman in 2020, was it 2020 or 20, uh, no, 2021. The thing about James Wiseman, though, in me personally, I thought that that was the wrong move. I, I would have drafted Lamelo Ball over him, despite the uh, the fit concerns. But personally, here's how I think about it: especially with a guy like Draymond Green likely off the books at the end of the year, potential moves to maybe Clay Thompson, uh, be it a trade or something like that, if salary cap uh, does come into play, I think that you have to build around those guys because of their contract situation and because you've already invested into this uh, formula. You've spent so much money that you know you're not going to spend this much amount of money going forward. And while there are growing pains, I think the Warriors right now can shoulder the growing pains, understanding that they could win on any single night. Like Just like the team we'll talk about later, the Lakers and LeBron James said it, I think the Warriors can win on any single night. Now, they can lose on any single night to a variety of teams, but the Warriors right now, their infrastructure is strong enough, and once they condense that rotation going into the playoffs, they're going to rely on starters like Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and hopefully the, the the games unfold. But at the moment, I think you have to stick to the current plan because if you trade for a player, you're likely either um, getting a guy who might not fit in your long-term plans because uh, of the salary cap, or you're getting a guy who might be expensive, something like that. It, it'll be tough unless you uh, attach significant draft capital to make that move. I absolutely agree. I don't move them. So I think Moses Moody is very underrated in the sense of he could play defense and he could shoot. Now, what the Warriors have been lacking, Ty Jerome can't play that great of defense. Now, he's a good floor, he's a good floor facilitator, but he's not the best shooter. I think Moses Moody is a better shooter. I think Moses Moody could actually facilitate the floor like Ty Jerome. I just don't get Steve Kerr's rotations at times. Like, you have these young dudes that you want to develop, but then I get you also want to compete. But then he's giving Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome minutes. But it's like, okay, yes, those men, you're trying to win. I get it. You know, you think those guys might be better right now for the right now. But. Look what happened last year when Jonathan Kuminga was thrown into the fire. He struggled. He, he did struggle a little bit. 
he struggled with so- shot selection, defense. Um, there was times where uh, Draymond was absolutely ripping him apart defensively. But that's what made him grow, and that's why fans are um, so ecstatic about Jonathan Kuminga because he's grown so much within the last year because he's been thrown into the fire. He's playing. Moses Moody needs the same thing. Last year, there was a good stretch where Moses Moody was playing phenomenal basketball. He played good basketball in the playoffs last year, but now he's riding the bench. Like, to me, that that doesn't make sense to me. To me, that's an organization that is saying, hey, I think we should just trade these guys. At this point, you're wasting their their development years because even if even if they're only playing, let's say, 12 minutes a night, those are developmental minutes. Last night, they're blowing out the Oklahoma City Thunder by 20-something points, and you barely give Moses Moody and James Wiseman about six minutes of playing time. That is an absolute failure on Steve Kerr, in my opinion. And... Steve Kerr doesn't get blamed because people look at the plus minus uh, stat line and like, oh my God, James Wiseman is minus 10. Plus minus is a, is a stat that, in my opinion, is kind of like the quarterback um, stat where people, quarterback wins or, or the yard after catch, how they connect it to quarterbacks, I think is a, is a bad stat because let's say, for example, James Wiseman is on the floor with a bunch of scrubs. And I'm not saying that not saying that the, the Warriors have scrubs on their team, but let's say he's on the, on the floor with a bunch of the back-ended players on the roster, the Anthony Lambs, the Ty Jerome's. There's not much there offensively. Now, he's going to have a minus of something because they're getting outscored, and defensively, that's not a great unit. So, yes, he's going to have a minus of 10 because they're, they're getting outscored. But then you put him with guys like Draymond where they're actually developing, they're not going to have a minus because they're being – lifted up by better talent. So I think that's a, a bad um, stat that fans are throwing around. Now, we both agree Warriors shouldn't trade the young core, but do they need help? Yeah, I mean, you, we know that. Look, to me, a team that's 500 with the talent they have, you've got to say, I mean, they, 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 they aren't performing to expectation necessarily this year, right? And so to me, I, I do think that they need help. The only question is, how are you going to get that help? And what do you move necessarily in order to get that help? I think that they could be factors in the buyout market, though, uh, because the buyout market with the NBA has obviously been uh, huge uh, as of late. I think that, that that could be an area where they work. But I wonder and I question where exactly they, they get that help from. Sorry, someone sent me Jay Glazer talking about Jimmy Garoppolo potentially playing, and this is normally a football podcast. I looked at it, but I get what you're saying in the sense of. So you said, um, go ahead and sorry, Ron, go ahead and repeat. Yeah, you, you good. Essentially, I was saying you do pretty much need help because this team is underperforming with the talent they have at being around 500. However. So- with the agreement that we said, how we might not move Whiteson or Moody, I think that that'd be uh, uh, not necessarily a poor decision, but the decision that I wouldn't go with. I think that I question where you get the help from, because what are you going to move? And are you, I, I, I mentioned you could be factors in the buyout market. So I don't really think they need help. So Seth Curry's been out. Uh, this is the second time he's been out for some time. Um, they haven't really played Clay Thompson um, every game. He's like on back-to-backs. He sits out. 
Uh, they've rested Draymond a few games. Um, they've had injury hist- injury bug with uh, Jermichael Green, um, Donche uh, Deven. How do I say it? Devencia? DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo. Um, he's been out a few games. So, like, they've been hit with an injury bug throughout the season. So, I don't think, yes, they're not playing to their potential, but I think an injury bug has hit them to the point where you, we haven't really seen them at their full potential. And when we have, they're blowing teams out and they look like a legit contender. So, for me, I'm not too worried about them getting help. I think the help is on the team. I think the help is mo- a guy like Moses Moody who could play defense and shoot the ball. Um, a guy like James Wiseman who could give you an offensive punch and, and be that vertical threat. Um, defensively, he might not be where we want him to be, but I think those two guys need to be playing, and I think I would rather see those two guys instead of Anthony Lamb and, and Ty Jerome. But, hey, what do I know? Steve Kerr knows, knows more than us, right? Now, a comment that Draymond made actually today on his podcast he was talking about Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, right? The right. Dallas Mavericks make a big splash and they trade for Kyrie Irving. And I'm going to ask you about this comment that Draymond says. So he goes, I don't like it. And I was listening like, and I was like, wait, what? And he goes, I don't like it because offensively, they're going to be hard to guard. He goes, they're going to be one of the best teams um, offensively because he goes, Kyrie could be a spot-up shooter. Because people don't think of Kyrie like that, but he's a spot-up shooter. Kyrie is a, one of the best ball handlers. Um, Kyrie is a guy who could – Kyrie is one of the guys that – whoa, what the heck happened? Uh-oh. Oh, Kyrie is go. one of the guys that is capable of doing everything, a shot, hard shot taker, but a hard shot maker. Um, and then he goes on to say he likes to fit offensively, but he doesn't love it because they're going to be a hard team to guard. What do you think of that trade for the Dallas Mavericks? I think it's a good trade. I mean, uh, like, I'll, I'll specifically talk on the court because – uh-oh. I don't know what happened there. Okay, there we go. But I'll specifically talk um, – what do you call it? I'll specifically talk about on the court because off the court stuff, everybody knows. I don't think we got to harp too much on it. But on the court, Kyrie Irving has been – one of the better players, I mean, obviously, in in basketball for for a while. And when you talk about the Dallas Mavericks, they are right. I mean, you you did need a a second player for Luka Doncic. They've needed it. They tried with Kristaps Porzingis. Obviously, that didn't work. They brought over Spencer Dinwiddie uh, in the trade. And don't get me wrong. Spencer Dinwiddie was a damn good player for them. He averaged around 17 and a half points and shot the ball very efficiently. He he didn't have a great year in Washington the year he was there, but the two years he's had in Dallas uh, with the 23 games last year and how many ever games this year, he's played very well in Dallas. But Kyrie Irving obviously is a step up, averaging 27 a, a year, uh, 27 a game this year, and I think shooting around 48 and 37 uh, from field goal in three. So he's, he's shot the ball efficiently and he provides Dallas with the second scorer, uh, at, with a guy who can really take the load off Luca. The thing is they are two, not necessarily ball dominant guys, but guys that need the ball in their hands. I wonder what happens there because I mean, uh, Kyrie Irving has been a guy who's always started with the ball, uh, even in Brooklyn and Cleveland. So does Kyrie Irving go more off ball now? Uh, how do the Mavericks kind of set that up, uh, especially with the minutes that they play together? And the other big question, obviously, is the defense. I mean, neither are great defenders. 
Luka Doncic is not great laterally. Kyrie Irving hasn't been a great defender in his career. So those are the two questions. But if you talk about a move, the Dallas Mavericks wanted to make a move and they wanted to make a splash. Kyrie Irving at least provides you. Uh, I think Kyrie Irving, the, the the trade itself sets you up a little better um, in terms of you have more star power now, which you need in the NBA to compete. So I 100% agree with you on every point you just made offensively. It makes them much better. Defensively, it makes them terrible. Think about it. Spencer Dinwiddie is a better defensive guard than and you you could you can make the argument that Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie isn't a legit isn't point guard. Defense. Yeah. Like so, you you can make the argument because he's a bigger he's a bigger guard, um, six foot six. He's kind of more of a of a wing at times, and and you can make the argument that defensively they gotten way worse. Luca isn't known for defense. Kyrie doesn't play defense. Now, Luca could play defense when he wants to. Now, it's a matter of will he do it to pick up the load defensively because there are also rumors that they're getting ready to ship off um, the the center that they have, Christian Wood, or the forward. Um, I think that would be dumb. But then again, if they do that, they got to go get someone that is a defensive anchor. And what I mean by that is Christian Wood could also get pulled out in a pick and roll, and he could be picked apart. He isn't the best defender. Um, he is a good offensive guy. So if you look at the way they, they've kind of constructed this team, it's very offensive-centric, and I don't think that's going to work in the playoffs. Now, it's going to work in the regular season. It's gonna, You're going to score points. You're going to be averaging one of the higher points in the NBA. But every time that happens, we see these teams go up against teams like the, for example, they're going to be there in the Western Conference. You got to play defense. So you look at the Western Conference. You're going to have teams like the Clippers, who are going to who are going to match up well because defensively they can match up with you. You got the Phoenix Suns, who defensively they match up well with a lot of teams. Memphis Grizzlies like to play defense. The Denver Nuggets play solid defense. The Warriors are going to play defense. Now offensively, can they keep up with you? I think they can because defensively you're not going to be stopping anyone from scoring. So realistically. Two guards that don't play defense, I think that's a problematic scenario for the Dallas Mavericks. And it kind of shocked me when they did make the Kyrie Irving move because of the off-the-court off, off the, um, court issues that he does. And I don't even think it's that bad. Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. But just two offensive guards, it kind of reminds me of, and people are going to be like, no, no, you're, you're wild. The Portland Trailblazers, when they had Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, two great offensive guards. Now, Luka is the point forward, I get it. But he doesn't play defense, and he's technically a point guard. Like, so to me, you're going to that defense, that offensive centric minded basketball. It'll work to get you into the playoffs and make a, a a solid run. Look at the Houston Rockets when they had James Harden, Chris Paul, Eric Gordon. Great offensive systems. Defensively, they were terrible. So for me, I think we're getting we're gonna see. Luca and Kyrie be challenged defensively. If they could answer the challenge, then they're going to be a hell of a team. But I do expect them to move uh, Christian Wood for a defensive player or someone else for another, or Tim Hardaway for a guy who could play defense at a high level um, because that is where they're going to struggle. And if they don't make a defensive trade, I'm not worried about them in the playoffs. I think they're going to be a team that gets bounced really early. Yeah, you got you got Luca help, but it wasn't the help Luca needed. Interesting. It is interesting. And I mean, to me, the reason that I don't necessarily mind the move as much is because I don't know what other star they could have necessarily gotten. I mean, the the name that we've 
heard a lot is Pascal Siakam being floated around. And maybe Pascal Siakam's a better fit than Kyrie Irving uh, when you talk about it. But to me, I guess, uh, I mean, at the moment, I don't know if Pascal Siakam gets traded or not. The Toronto Raptors, not sure if they're going to go in full sell mode or if they're going to hold on to their pieces. We'll see how that goes. But I think that for the sake of getting a star, the Dallas Mavericks did that. And well, now I'm, I, I mean, I'm excited to see how Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic play. It's always exciting when Kyrie Irving plays and he's played now with Kevin Durant and he's played with LeBron James. But the only thing is, unfortunately, it hasn't worked necessarily in either place because Irving wanted out in Cleveland and then they didn't get the job done in Brooklyn. So we'll see. Uh, is there any more success here with Dallas? And I mean, Dallas did trade away Dorian Finney-Smith in this deal, a guy who's been on a down year, but also another uh, rotational piece that has been a solid defender for them. We'll see how they rebound overall. So what if I threw you out a name? So, for example, he's a younger guy who coming into his own, OG uh, Anunobi. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see a guy like him fit with Luca, a defensive guy who could shoot, score. Um, Pascal, uh, uh, like you said, Pascal Siakam. I think that would have been a better move because Luca, he needs a a Robin, right? He, every Batman needs a Robin, right? Clay, Clay and Steph. Uh, you look at LeBron, he's always had a Robin and, and D Wade. He had Kyrie Irving. You look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, you need that that second guy, right? And I don't think Luca needs another offensive player. I think he needs someone who could help him defensively and be a solid number two offensively because that dude could create on a, on a regular night. Like that's just who he is naturally. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what he needed someone who could create for him. But when you're thinking of the the guy like OG uh, Anunobi, a younger guy, age 25, fits. Fits the Luca timeline a little bit better. Luca's around that around that age. You could get a guy like uh, Pascal Siakam, and I think I think one of those guys are traded. I, I think one of those guys are traded this um, trade deadline. To me, I would rather do that for Luca because it helps him more for what he needs. I don't know if that makes sense, but to me, Luca doesn't need another offensive dominant guy who could score the rock at ease. I think to me, I think the NBA contenders on in the Western Conference side. Saw the Dallas Mavericks make this trade and say, thanks. Makes it easier for us. I think they were a better team with Spencer. I think they're going to be a better team with Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith because, like we just said, the defensive presence that those two guys have or or, or what they are, are going to be lacking. If they don't make a big trade for another defensive player, they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I I, I understand your point. Now, I would have liked the move if they had gotten Pascal Siakam because Siakam is a he's a fine scorer, he's a solid defender and I mean, he can be a second option, he can be a Robin type of player. But I'm also intrigued to see how this how this move works because um the Mavericks right now, they got to just outscore everybody. And that 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 kind of that theme hasn't necessarily worked for other teams in the NBA. I mean, you pointed out Millard and McCollum before we've seen these guard dominant or I mean, offensive dominant uh, duos where the defense hasn't been prioritized. Those teams necessarily don't always make it out that far, but it's going to be a fun move and uh, a move that we'll definitely get to watch for the second half of the year. Now, LeBron James, right? Comes out. Day Kyrie's or Kyrie's traded, sits down with ESPN and has an interview. Starts talking about how 
oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit frustrated that you didn't come to the Lakers ball. It kind of like well, it sounded frustrated, right? And then tweets out, maybe it's me. Does LeBron sound mad to you? Does he sound pissed that he didn't get Kyrie? Yeah, I mean, I I think he wanted him. Uh, I think, I mean, I think it's kind of all boiling over because it's not, it's no secret the Lakers have wanted Kyrie Irving for a while. The Lakers wanted Kyrie Irving last, like when when he initially made his trade request, they wanted to go hard at him. The unfortunate thing is the Lakers have not done well in terms of roster management for a while now. They traded for Russell Westbrook, which, if we're being honest, falls on LeBron James. LeBron James controls roster management in a way there like we can say oh he's his own GM. Rob Palenka. we can we can blame rob palinka we can blame genie bus or whoever but lebron james has a good voice in in roster management and they traded for russell westbrook hoping that that would work when most fans knew that that wouldn't work and then now they're stuck in the situation that they have been and lebron james is frustrated because this is the end of his career. He's looking to uh, cement his legacy and continue to improve on that. And unfortunately, he doesn't have the roster capable of doing so. Uh, and the NBA has changed to where there are strong enough teams to where you can't just win with one player. You can't win a championship with having one player. And I'm not saying they only have one player. Obviously, Anthony Davis is there. But yeah, I mean, LeBron James, has. it looks like he's desperate to make some noise one year out of the playoffs another year bounced by the phoenix suns he wants to make some noise he had the opportunity to do so and it didn't happen it was interesting though because i took his comments as he was pissed because then they asked him like oh how does your longevity feel and he was like i'm i'm jumping higher than 23 year olds i'm running faster than 21 year olds i'm dunking on like like his responses were it were i'm still the dude i'm still that guy and then he gets mad that he doesn't get Kyrie Irving. And then to me, it's like, wait, you have Anthony Davis. You have one of the top five players in the NBA. Now, Anthony Davis, there's times where he plays like he's not a top five player. He's afraid of contact at times. They just traded for uh, Rui uh, Achimura. That's a decent trade. Uh, bigger bigger guy, about six foot eight, could shoot the ball. Um, doesn't move the needle for me, though, for the Lakers, right? Is a guy that is going to help. Doesn't move the needle for me. Now, do you think they make that move for the point guard that they're looking for? Because for some reason, Russell Westbrook is a scapegoat right now. I think he's played well this year. I thought, by the way, one of my uncles is a Lakers fan. He texted me like, hey, what do you think? We just got we just got Russ. What, what are your opinions on it? I'm like, terrible trade. It doesn't fit what the Lakers want to do. LeBron needs someone who can shoot. Anthony Davis needs someone to stretch the floor. They need someone to stretch the floor. LeBron and, and AD combined, you need shooters around those two dudes. You you can't compact the, the floor. And I thought it was a dumb move. Now, this year, coming off the bench, he's playing really good basketball. So you can't say Russ this year is the reason for their lack of success. Now, do you think they end up getting that point guard that they're looking for? Because they're rumored around uh, Kyle Lowry. They're rumored around... Um, and then Mike Conley was the one today. Yeah. Oh, Mike Conley was there. He's also Do you think they get their point guard? I mean, I've seen the trade package that has been rumored for Mike Conley. Two first round picks for Mike Conley, and I think it's Boyan Bogdanovich. Two first round picks. That's a lot. 
So uh, I don't know. And I mean, I'm not necessarily a Russell Westbrook fan. Uh, I, I I haven't necessarily been like I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of his game. Uh, I haven't been for for a while. But Russell Westbrook's a great A human. And I mean, he's a guy who takes the criticism. He's a guy who has endured a lot during his time there. And unfortunately, you're right. Russell Westbrook has played fine. And unfortunately, the, the reason he's the scapegoat is because anytime someone talks about Russell Westbrook, they're always going to be attached to that contract and the $48 million that he's owed. And that's the reason. That one move is the sole reason why the, the the Lakers can't really improve because they're going to have to attach Russell Westbrook to any deal given the amount of money that's going to come back, and that means you have to move first-round picks. And so to me, would I do that move? Two first-round picks from Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich? Not a chance, which is why I'm skeptical that the Lakers would do, that, do a move of uh, that caliber and unfortunately stay fairly put, although they have been linked and linked and linked to several players, I think it's tough because um, of the the price tag that's uh, required. And the Lakers have to also think about their future in a way because they can't trade every single first-round pick in deals that they're not going to win. Yeah, I, I think it would be a very big mistake if they traded for Mike Conley. Now, trading two first-rounders for a 35-year-old who might retire after the year? Like realistically, Mike, we don't know if Mike Conley plans on playing that much longer, and he's around that that age in the NBA where you start seeing a faster decline in, in any sport. At the age of thirty five, you start declining, your body starts um, running down. I think Fred Van Lee, Van Vliet would still be very expensive for two first rounders. I don't think he moves the needle for me. Honestly, I think the roster construction of the Lakers has been so terrible that I don't think there is a right move for the Lakers to be fixed. I don't think it's Kyle Lowry. I don't think it's uh, Fred Van Vliet. I don't think it's OG, um, Aninobi. Now, I will say, I do kind of like, and it's going to be redundant because you're not a shooter, I do kind of like Spencer Dinwiddie with them because he's a defensive guy, he's a good slasher. Um, but they need shooters on that roster. That's what they're missing. They need someone who can space the floor for them. Um, so it's, it's one of those ones where I want to see them make a move just so I could laugh when all these Laker fans get mad or these Laker fans are like, Oh, that was a great move. And then it doesn't right. do anything for them. Does it move the needle for them? So like, for me, I think it's a funny conversation. Um, but I do want to ask you, does LeBron James break the all time scoring record tonight? I believe he needs around 36 points tonight. What is it? 30, 36 or 38. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the stage is set for it. I believe that I, I read a story earlier today how like there's going to be 200 plus media members there, which is normally reminiscent of a like a, a championship round playoff game. And then there's also going to be a ton of family there for LeBron James and a ton of family and friends. I think I mean, I, I think the story is set for it. He's facing the he's he's at home facing the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I, I, I do think that. It's tough because it's 36 freaking points, obviously, but I think that LeBron James, I mean, it seems like he's going to crack it just because of the storyline behind it. I'll go with that. I think you're absolutely right with the amount of players, the amount of people in attendance, the 200 media members, um, all his family, everything there. I think LeBron's going to go for 40. And I tweeted earlier, I think LeBron's going to go for 40, break the record. I saw a, a tweet that I forgot who it was supposed to be, like one of the big um, – Hall of Famer is supposed to be there. Um, but the state, like you said, the stage is set. I think he goes to 40. I think he breaks the record. Um, so 
I mean, shout out to LeBron. He hasn't played yet, but congratulations on a, a historical feat that fans hate LeBron. I don't get the the hate for any goat, right? You could be in the if you're in the goat conversation, I don't think you should be getting hated on. Um, now fans do it because it's trendy to hate on players, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you got to give you got to give the flowers to these players, man. Um, shout out to LeBron, um, one of the best to ever do it. Um, breaking the all-time scoring record is phenomenal. Um, the longevity he's had since the age of 18 in the NBA, that's an incredible um, story. I think LeBron doing what he's doing is awesome, and it just sucks seeing him go out this way because he hasn't been able to compete for the last couple of years in the playoffs like he wants to. Um, I think he's just waiting for the right moment for him to to leave, go to another team that could get his son, Bronny. Um, that's going to be awesome to see because I think he stays until Bronny's in the league. Now, who is the top contenders, Rohan, in the NBA right now that you think will probably win the NBA championship or at least be in the conference finals? I mean, when we talk about it, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of like intriguing teams. I'll say this year, uh, and you talk about the odds. I believe right now, I believe the Celtics have the best odds. The Celtics and the Bucks. Makes sense. Uh, which makes sense, obviously. Out of the West, I'd probably say the Nuggets uh, right now have the best chance, uh, uh, which makes sense. I believe they're the one seed, and they're cruising through. I mean, they have the MVP in Nikola Jokic, and the difference between last year and this year is you have the healthy players around it, right? Uh, Obviously returning Jamal Murray, obviously returning Michael Porter Jr., and both players have enjoyed good seasons. Murray averaging over 20 points and shooting pretty efficiently. Michael Porter Jr. is doing Michael Porter Jr. things. They have a strong team, and really they're seeing – uh, how their five players can play together. I mean, their 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 top five players. Uh, how they can mesh together because they haven't seen that in a while. And I think that the Denver Nuggets probably are in the mix. As for some sleeper contenders, I mean, I do want to give some praise to the the Sacramento Kings. Obviously, your hometown. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be finals contenders, but it's cool to see. Obviously, the the trend that they've had and really the the resurgence they've seen this year under Mike Brown, uh, the first year head coach. Uh, some other teams, though, uh, that could make the push. I mean, teams like the 76ers are obviously going to be in the mix uh, every year. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, uh, obviously, are, are going to be in the mix. Um, I think it's honestly uh, a crapshoot, uh, though, this year. It's not like there's too, too many teams that are really distancing itself. Like, teams uh, really nearly, I think, 12 teams in the Eastern Conference have a chance to make the playoffs uh, it seems like uh, all the way up to the Orlando Magic, and then same thing with the Lakers. Twelve or twelve or thirteen teams can make it in the Western Conference, and of that, several teams have the uh, requisite stars to potentially win playoff games. So it'll be a fun playoff, and that's kind of like the newfound NBA where there are certain stars for every team, but obviously the limitations require so that you need a more balanced team as well. And I think that there's no more overpowered teams in the NBA. I'm so glad you didn't say the team that says, whoop that trick, whoop that trick. I'm so glad you didn't shout out the Memphis Grizzlies, man. Oh, man. Because great team, right? Great team. Great players on that roster. But they've made themselves the bad guy, right? Like, they're trying to take on that bad guy role. And then now you have John Morant out there in the media like, people hate us. No, people don't hate you guys. You guys made people hate you. Like, people genuinely love John Morant. But then now he's acting like the victim. Um, 
trying to be that bad, tough guy. Love the energy. Don't get me wrong. I love the energy. But the, the contenders, I think I think you still got to keep the Warriors in there because they're going to get Steph back. Um, now, whenever you have Steph Curry, Draymond Clay, um, Andrew Wiggins, you're going to have you're going to have a contending team. Now, it's just a matter of how they really want to step it up in the playoffs. I think the Denver Nuggets, I think they they really missed uh, John uh, Murray uh, last year. I think that they needed another scorer on that team. Now that he's back playing really good basketball, I think they have a very high chance of making the uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, in the in the East, a team that uh, I really like is the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. I think those are the two most dominant teams in the East. I don't think there's other teams that really compete with them outside of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, people are going to like, oh, what about 76ers? 76ers are a good team. I just don't think they have enough to compete with those other teams because James Harden isn't who he used to be. Joel Embiid has to carry the load. Now they're missing that second, like the same thing like we said with Luca. They're missing that second uh, guy. Now they have their Batman. They don't got Robin. They think they have Robin and James Harden, but he isn't that Robin that 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 guy he used to be. Now the Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell, very good, very good scorer, plays great defense. Darius Garland could score the rock. Uh, the Evan Mobley, great defense, could score the rock. So I think them defensively, they have the the um, DNA defensively to be a really good team. Um, but I think it's going to end up being the Boston Celtics coming out of the East and coming out of the West. I think we might see a, ma- a rematch with the um, Golden State Warriors. I don't think there's a team in the West, even though the Warriors aren't playing up to their potential, I don't think there, there is a team in the West that could beat the Warriors in a seven-game series right now. The way everyone is playing, there's nice that these these teams play great. There's nice that these teams play like shit. So for me, I don't think there's a team that could beat the Warriors in a seven-game series four times um, out of the seven games. I just don't see it. Now, it could happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. So I'm very curious to see who comes out of the East and who comes out of the West. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think there's a handful of teams that can do either, and that creates a, a fun environment. I mean, uh, we've seen how the last few championships have gone, really, and I, I think they, they can go either way. I think that they can go either way. I mean, we've seen different teams emerge. We've seen the Bucks win one. We've seen teams like the Phoenix Suns come out and win one. We've seen teams like the Boston Celtics come out and get one, uh, or, or at least make the finals against the Warriors. And so it, it's... There are a lot of teams that are there, and that's the good part of the uh, about the NBA. There's not necessarily parity. There's a lot of balanced teams uh, going into the playoffs. Before we get out of here, last comment, last question. Any bold prediction on anyone being moved that you expect to happen or, or a team that's going to make a big splash um, during this um, trade deadline? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously, there are the big names. Um it seems like the Nets are going to keep uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, it seems like he's unlikely to be traded as usual. Um, I, I do think that when you talk about it, the the number one team, I mean, obviously, to talk about is the Toronto Raptors. If I were them, I'd stop with the level of mediocrity. I, I, I'd move on. I, I'd, I'd, I'd offload their pieces, and I'd see if I could package – uh, get maybe a a big package by moving Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam in a deal. Um, I, I know that there was a rumor about them trying to potentially go after Kyrie Irving uh, by packaging those two, uh, but let's see if they move one player. And in, in my opinion, if they do move one player, I honestly think they should move all three. 
Uh, if they're if they're dead set on moving Ananobi, I, I think that they should move all three. Now, Ananobi, I, I'm, I'm a little conflicted on. I, I don't know if whether they should move him or keep him just because of the uh, the youth there. And he he's a he's what you want to build around a three and D guy. Um, so I'm conflicted there. But I mean, I think that they're the they're the team to watch, especially with their two veteran players. I agree with you. Like, but for me, if I'm Toronto, the player I'm looking at. Isn't any of the isn't a trade at the deadline? I'm looking at Victor um, Wembanyama. I think that's how you say his last name. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at him, right? And I'm figuring out, okay, during this draft season, do I have enough players and picks in the future to trade for him? Now everyone says he's the next big thing. I think he's a phenomenal player. Do you trade guy? Do you hold on to these guys with their contracts and everything, and trade guys like OG, um, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet in a package deal to a team for that number one pick? I mean, Ooh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could potentially make but your team. Here's what I'll say though: the reason that I, I I say ooh is because I don't know if the number one pick even does does that deal. If I'm the number one pick, I'm keeping the number one pick. I agree. I agree. Like, but I mean, it's at least tempting. I mean, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna make these trades now, they're not gonna help you. Like, they're really not gonna help you make the playoffs. They're like, you're re- realistically, they're. I mean, they're close to that ten seed. So if they really want, they could. They they could make a push for the play in with the three dudes they have, and then at the at that draft draft time, they could make a push for a guy like that instead of saying, you know what, let's trade these dudes for some unknown players because you're not going to get nothing back return wise player wise you're going to get a player who's probably mid-level plus picks now why not package three good players for that number one and i don't think i don't think the number one overall pick does it but you have a better chance of getting a superstar doing a big crazy trade which probably is very unrealistic than anything else yeah i think that's fair that's fair so that's it for today's episode. Rohan and I talked NBA basketball today instead of um, NFL. Normally we do NFL. Hopefully we're going to continue some some kind of good rhythm with uh, football, basketball, uh, potentially MLB, depending on um, Rohan, how Rohan likes to talk baseball. I know he's a more of a baseball guy, right, or no? Hey, man, I can talk anything. I can talk anything. I know enough. I can talk whatever it is. Let's have fun. Nice, nice. Thank you guys all for tuning in on on to the next one.